Hello, and welcome to the Phantom Podcast. I'm David Sims. I'm Griffin Newman. This Uh, is our final episode. Yeah. What? Of the Phantom Podcast, because let's get this out of the way. Don't fret. Right off the bat. Don't fret. The brand that you have come to know and love. In the millions. Griffin and David presents will be surviving. The easily Googleable, totally uh, marketable David and Griffin brand. Very, very singular and yep. unique. Mm-hmm. Um, we that's uh, you might notice on uh, iTunes we're listed as Griffin David presents, which yeah. has made us difficult for some people to find. Yeah, on people iTunes. are like, I keep Googling Phantom Menace or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I Google the Phantom matter. podcast and I get a podcast about the Phantom, the old radio serial. Hey. Guys, you could have gone with my suggestion, which Griffin was Griffel and Simsburg. Yeah, that would have been so easy to Google. Yeah, of course, that's the poet <laughs> that's laureate. That's an autocorrect nightmare. Poet laureate of the Phantom podcast, Ben Deucer, a.k.a. Hey, hey, the producer, a.k.a. producer Ben. A.k.a. Hello Fennel. Hello Fennel. Yeah. Hello Fennel. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, oh God, what a panty dropper that one is. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should be called Hello Fennel. We could be called Hello Fennel. That well, might be easier to Google. I'll contact iTunes. So we were talking about how do we keep the show going? And there were okay. a lot of ideas, things we thought we wanted to spotlight, do do podcasts about. Some longer form, some one-off episodes. Yeah. And I, I had a breakthrough last week. We went to go see Mad Max Fury Road, and I showed up. I was experiencing severe hay fever. You were, you were covered in hives. hives. I had hives all over my necks and arms. Yep. My necks. Both of my necks. Yep, two like necks. Like Foden bead. You had grown another neck. I'd grown well. another neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that neck had a head that only spoke Hutties, and uh, hey, nailed it. Um, and and my my eyes were bloodshot, and I felt terrible. But I said I cracked the code. You did. You you were very excited. I said a lot of these things we pitched about doing a podcast about have a through line. I realized that that is what attracted us to the Phantom Menace in the first place. Yeah, and is the kind what someone does when they're given complete creative freedom. Yeah, or they have a lot of. Hollywood capital to spend on a sort of a passion project, maybe. Yes. You know what my dad used to call it? My dad and I we used to call it the get-out-of-jail-free card. Right. So it's like, th- there's this idea that if in Hollywood they have, you know, short memories. Yes. So if you fail, it doesn't matter how many times you succeeded before that you're out. Yeah. But sometimes you have a success that's so big, you get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. So you can make one wild folly, one extreme passion project. Sometimes they turn out well. And sometimes you get to make a bunch of them. Like, sometimes Hollywood just keeps forgetting, like, the Wachowski brothers, you know, like, our yes. Wachowski siblings. They, if it's you know, that big. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just you just keep getting handed the keys to something. You, get a, you keep on getting get-out-of-jail-free cards. Often you just get the, the one. Right. Yeah. The idea is that you can flop that big because... You know they'll give you one more chance afterwards. Right. You get out of movie yeah. jail. Yeah. They take you out of movie jail, and they they take you off the bench. Um, that we're fascinated by that. A lot yeah. of when we talk about projects, we always talk about the context of. Remember, this is what they were coming off of, and uh, you know, of course, George Lucas coming off the massive success of THX eleven thirty eight, American, American Graffiti, Graffiti, yeah, and maybe one movie in between. And he'd been a producer for producing Indiana Jones. That yeah, was a big that's franchise. a good movie. Yeah. Uh, this is a good movie. Yeah, I like um, that movie. Yeah, but and, but as we've talked about a lot, um, uh, the Hasbro toy company uh, paid a hundred million dollars for the rights right. to this film, so he had complete creative control. He was working outside the studio system. They trusted him implicitly, and that was what was fascinating to us. Is this movie was not uh, uh, fettered by the studio heads yeah. coming in, the mucking about, going to hey, change this, change this. He made exactly what he wanted to make. Yep. And I think for us, that's fascinating when someone, when all the chips are down and they go, I'm finally getting to make something the way I want to. And a couple times it's resulted in some of my favorite pieces of art ever. 
Yes. Are you thinking of anything particular? There's one movie I'd really like to cover. My favorite movie of all time. I think we'll oh. save it for later. Yeah, we'll save that for but later. My favorite I'm movie of all time is falls into that category squarely. Yes. right. And uh, you have never seen it. No, I've never seen it. Yeah, so I want to do an episode. To make it clear that we're not always just going to shit on stuff. Yeah, no. And we also went into we're this thinking we were going to love. Yeah, yeah. We thought we were going to crack There the are things we liked yes. that maybe have now just been tarnished beyond repair. But, 100%. you know, we definitely originally liked. Can remember the good movie. times. Yeah. Go back and remember the good times. Yeah. Um, the best of them, the best one yet. Yeah, but our yeah. point is, it's not just going to be like, oh, movies that flopped or movies that failed or trying to, whatever. we're going to talk no, about. No, no, no. This, this is what fascinates yeah. us. Yeah. It's, it's when someone has all the clout and the heat to make exactly what they want. And, and how it turns out. Because I guess it's an idea. People go, oh, art, business, commerce mixes in, the executives, da 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 A lot of times when someone's given complete artistic control, it's yeah. a disaster. Oh, no. But it's yeah. but it's never bland or, like, boring or yes. Hollywooded to death. No. Or, I mean, hell, we saw Mad Max yes. uh, last week. And there's a perfect example. It went right. Yeah. But, you know. Of something that could have easily just been a, a you know, oh, yeah. total like spectacle yeah. of folly, but instead he, you know, he, good job, George. If Fury Road had come out ten years ago, we would Miller, definitely be doing Lucas. a podcast about it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be be right in our wheelhouse. And that's a movie. Why did he get to make that? Because of Happy Feet. <laughs> Seriously, because Happy Feet was and so Happy successful. Feet yeah. Well, Happy Feet two didn't do as well. But but he was already. Uh, good no, to you're, go. You're right. On Happy Fury Feet Road. was such a uh, surprise, profitable, and Oscar-winning like hit for. Uh, it was DreamWorks? one of the yeah, for uh, Warner Brothers. For Warner Brothers, who didn't right, have an animation led, department. Right, 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 right. Um, who also produced uh, Mad, Mad Max. Max. Yeah, and uh, it was it was at the time of its release one of the ten highest-grossing films that Warner Brothers had ever released. That's crazy, including like six Harry Potter. Movies. Happy Feet is, by the way, like not a good movie, but has a great. I don't like that movie personally. Maybe I'm you very like it. conflicted. Has a great opening twenty minutes when the yeah. when he's a baby, it's so good. Yeah, when he's Elijah Wood or whatever. Ugh, well, I, Happy Feet would have worked better. Uh, the Fury Road version, where it was like, let's just keep it to one thing and just yeah. do the shit out of this one thing. Like yeah. the great thing about Fury Road is it's just one fucking chase as a movie. Yeah, these episodes come out a little later, so just to to make yeah, it clear, sorry, guys. the time yeah. that we're recording this. It's been like five days since Mad Max came out, and a week yes. since we saw it together, and we still can't get over it. Exactly. I, I can't wait to see it again. The I've only seen, reason I've I have is because I went to a wedding this yeah. weekend. No, like, I, otherwise, I saw it a second time. And I almost tried to round the wedding party into like, come on, guys, let's, yeah. let's sneak in a screening, but yeah. yeah, it didn't happen. But don't, don't you think if Happy Feet was just like singing and dancing yeah. with penguins, and there was only like three sections where they slowed down and had dialogue, much like Fury Road, it would be yeah. a better movie? But I also think it has the problem that Lion King has, where it's like you only want one version of the protagonist. You don't like it when he's grown up. I agree. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, the early Lion King is the best part of it. It is, and the later part of the Lion King is only watchable because everyone else. Like you, yeah. at that point, you're not very interested in the main character anymore. We're doing a great job of not talking about the Phantom Menace. Let's at all right talk now. about the Lion. King. That movie is not good. Lion King, I agree, is very flawed. It's a really, really, yeah, shoddy movie with yeah. some like it's got some great stuff. Transcendent p- bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. and a generally uh, very clever eye towards you know making a movie that children will be obsessed with, much well, like Frozen. It, it, yes, I yeah, Frozen. I, Fro- I love Frozen. Frozen. Like, like Frozen. I call it Frozen. Uh, Frozen. I love a lot more than The Lion King, but I also think it's a flawed movie. Yeah, Frozen. I that the it came off the vine so quickly for me. I watched it again and I was like, oh, I don't. Yeah. Both yeah. of those movies have that weird alchemy though. There's an X factor that kind of. 
it, it transcends and covers up its flaws yeah, by no, how well that. it works when it works and how exciting it the takes basic you by the hands are. Kinda, and, yeah. yeah. Um, and also just every child I know knows about Frozen, even if they haven't seen it. They know everything about it. It's yeah. incredible. It's like that incredible osmosis where they just know. They know. Yeah. Uh, getting back to what this podcast is ostensibly about. Adam's Family Values? Uh, yeah. I love Adam's Family Values. We can should we do, do one on that? Because yeah, that's definitely. my literally one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I would time. happily do yeah. that. Eat me. Um, that wasn't me telling that. That was a, that's that was an, a Pugsley uh, reference. That's an AFV uh, poll for any of you AFV fans out there. Um, so the, the podcast is going to continue. We're going to cover other things. We've gotten a lot of suggestions from fans. We've talked about a lot of things. Yeah. I think by popular demand, our, our hands are tied. We've got, mean, it. We've got to do judging the judge. I get 50 tweets a day about this. No, judging the judge. No, I don't get uh, So you might think we're joking, but... Uh, judging we, the judge is coming up. Yeah. So here's here's the idea. Right now, this is... You're listening to the season finale of the Phantom Podcast. Woo! Uh, Looks like we made it. We're going to take a little break. Uh, in a not a long break. No, yeah, really early, a brief break. Early June, we're gonna drop a bonus episode. This yeah. is for diehards only. Yeah, David and I have both watched the Phantom Mass too many times now. Uh, yes, it is exactly too many times. But we have not watched it together. It's true. So we're gonna get some burrs. We're gonna turn on an old Mikey phone. Yep. And we're gonna record a full commentary for. The Phantom Mass. None of you will listen to it. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's not even going to join us for that one. No, Ben He's is stay not going to join us for that one. He doesn't give want you guys to. the mics and just let you yeah. have at He's it. He's going to say goodbye, Fennel, to that one. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you you at home will be able to sync up our commentary there. It'll be the, uh, just two sad, defeated men. Yeah, no, but it it'll be good because it'll Phantom. be like a, a goodbye, like a Viking funeral. Oh, to, hopefully, to it'll be the, the last time Mass. that we ever watch the movie. No, nah, definitely not. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Yeah. And if I have kids, they're going to fucking watch the movie. It's yeah. going to be unavoidable. Early June, commentary episode. Then we're coming back a week or two after that with Judging the Judge. It's yeah. 100% happening. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch the movie The Judge. I'm really excited. It's great. So if you, it's terrible. So if you subscribe, if you're subscribed to Griffin David Presents, it will just be a continuous podcast. We'll Judging the new, Judge. We will have a new title in terms of how we present it. The artwork will be different, but it'll be the same fucking podcast. Wherever you listen, it'll be right there in the same place. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then after that, I don't know. We'll 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 see. Uh, after we're, that. we're gonna yeah. We'll figure something. We'll figure out. it out. But we'll keep the theme going of of grand follies uh, or wild successes coming off of massive successes. Yeah. What people and do when they're giving judging the judge freedom. fits that because David Dobkin had just made Fred Claus. Did he make something in between? My, no my, uh, he made the change up, which was a big flop. Oh. My, my take on it is that it's Downey Jr. coming no, off the heat I agree of with the you. Avengers. I movies, know. I being just, able to make whatever he wants. Uh, the change up is another movie I never saw, but it's really bad, right? It's bad. I actually, That's the one with the uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, Pina uh, Pool. Yeah. yeah. I think I've seen Peter every Fountain. David Dobkin movie, which is astounding because I like zero David Dobkin movies. You don't even like uh, Clay Pigeons? Is that the one he. Uh, oh, it's okay. That? It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shanghai Nights is bad. Wedding Crashers is bad. Mr. Woodcock, never seen that. Uh, he he did um, reshoots on it. Okay, but I haven't seen it either. Okay, that All movie right. was taken away from its director Craig Gillespie, Craig Gillespie who okay. also directed Lars and the Real Girl and Fright Night 3D. He has the weirdest filmography in the world. Fright Night is so good. I think yeah, Lars. And the, really I think good. Lars and the Real Girl is incredibly overrated. I like some of it. Uh, Fright Night's really good, and Colin Farrell deserved. An and it's Oscar not like people are going around. Yeah, he does. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, it's not like people are going around saying like Lars and the Real Girl is the best, and I still think it's like really yeah. overrated. Yeah. Uh, but back to the matter at hand, the Phantom. Man, Stars Wars, Stars Wars, Stars Wars, War. Star Wars episode one, episode. one <laughs> The Phantom Menace. It was supposed to be 
part of a big sci-fi saga, and it never got off the ground. As we all know, there's only one of these movies. Yeah, and that's definitely. what's fascinating to us is that it's, it's a dead end. Um, we started this podcast, uh, not this episode, uh, but the, the oh, 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 lone uh, nine episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, started this with one explicit goal. Answer yeah. one question. So simple. Answer one question. Is it simple? We thought so. Yeah. Much like Sarah Koenig, we thought answering one question was going to be easy. That's still going on, by the way. Yeah. They got some Jay uh, testimonial. I don't know. I don't care about Sarah. And what's anymore. crazy it's is we exciting. answered her question in our first episode. Of course. Yeah. We know, we know the answer. Yeah. Anon's guilty. Yeah. No question. We can lock him away forever. Anon and Jay did it together, and they're both guilty. That's why the stories don't make sense, because each of them has half the story, because they're trying to... No, I understand. I, fu- yes, I yeah, fully yeah. because they. Don't. I do think yeah, Adnan was involved. Jay was involved. Some in right, some and way or the stories don't match up with anything because each of them kind of has half the information, but they have to cut out the parts where they were involved. As dumb, stupid, um, d- dumb, dumb. Anon and Jay are dumb. Uh, we we've come in with one question that we thought was easier to answer, and we failed entirely. Yeah, what is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Mass? We did fail. I mean, we would always come, we'd brush against it. Maybe we'd have a theory. That would that had some grounding, but we'd never. But I feel like a lot of our answers were delivered in this tone. Uh, da da da. So what do you wait? What the do you Phantom think? is about uh, trades. What do you think the movie's about, or should we wait? Do we have final takes? Do you have a final take? I we I might have a final take. All right, so let's let's read other people. This is our yeah. viewer mailbag episode. We reached out to some uh, of our friends. We opened the floodgates to some of our loyal listeners. Yeah, and we said, send us your audio, send us your um, text. Uh, let us know what you think The Phantom Mass is about. And so we're going to outsource today and hopefully come up with an answer. Um, so let's, let's do, let's do uh, uh, this, this one first. Uh, let's do Dane Hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay? going to say. Dane Hurt sent us this message. Uh, what was The Phantom Menace about? Trade negotiations. All caps, I think. Six or seven exclamation seven points. Seven exclamation yeah. points. What did George Lucas care about more than anything his whole life? Getting fucking toys delivered to people in time for Christmas. Mm. I want to, before I read the sentence, make it very clear that these are Dane's words because and I already we have. Do not endorse. And I already have a bad track record with race relations on this podcast. Specifically, yeah, go on. Dane says, those greedy Asians were always trying to blockade his shit. And once he had to sell an empty box for Christmas with essentially IOUs for the toys. Don't know what that's in reference to. Interesting. I'm there, sure, Dane, you're being, I, I'm sure, I'm going to. Yeah. Dane did benefit of the doubt, and you know he's speaking from George's perspective sure. here. Yeah, there is not one scene in the whole plot that does not directly revolve around trade and the negotiations that accompany it. Even Qui Gon scamming Wada with the chance cube is a trade negotiation. That's true. Good, That's a good point. point. Thanks, and may the blessings of Gra Gra be with you. So kind. That's the kindest thing you could ever say of to course. anybody. Yeah. P.S. For the record, I don't think Asians are greedy, but George Lucas apparently. Yeah, no, does. I assumed Dane was yeah uh, speaking from George's perspective. Uh, I don't know if. Everything is a trade negotiation, but he kind of has a point because you've got uh, the Naboo uh, Gungan, mm-hmm. you know, settlements. That's yeah. a negotiation yeah. there, and it probably involves trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, like you say, Qui Gon's uh, excellent slave acquisition. Yep, He's such a good, so good at slave acquisition. The best. If he had a resume, it would be like, what are you good at? Lightsaber. Okay. Yeah. So so. The only one who's better is Sabalba. <laughs> And also all the other pod racers, because apparently they're all they're fucking all scoundrels. Owners. Yeah, the whole pod. All right, so, you know, so he's saying that yeah. here's a movie funded by merchandise. 
That's what I like, that he's tying it back into that. The you know, reason the movie exists is because of merchandise sales. And that's what George is grinding his axe about in those great that great opening crawl that we all know and love. Yeah. The wonderful opening crawl. The best. Such a smart way to open a movie. So good. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, if it was an art film, most people would leave. Yeah. You know, if it was at the Cannes Film Festival, yeah. I know what it ever it'd be most people would just be like, nah, no, no, thank you. Yeah, no. Anyway. What are you doing here? Uh so thank you, Dane. That was that was uh, yeah, that was good. That was great. Uh here's uh, Mike Ryan. Oh, Mike Ryan, uh, you're uh, you know former entertainment writer for Huffington Post. Now he works for uh, Up Rocks and uh, with Screen Crush. He used to work at Screen Crush. Film, he wrote, he's he, he's like one he of the premier. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's a great film writer. Great he writes about writer. SNL. Uh, yeah, love you, Mike. We follow each other on Twitter. Uh, we follow each other too. We made a good trade the other day on the Star Wars uh, card trader app. And I run into him at Junkins one, once really? in a while. I did. I drink. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Uh, talking, Mike. All right, it's um, a, not a long. No. This is not. Yeah, uh, we've talked more about Mike than we than he wrote about the Phantom Menace, which is good. Brevity, hey, hey, brevity's the soul of it. Um, he uh, wrote, "It's about an elaborate and convoluted scheme to get Senator Palpatine elected chancellor." All right, now this is interesting. Now he's absolutely on the money here. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what he means because everything. You know, the end of the movie. What happens? Uh, he, I believe, he gets elected chance. He does. Yeah, Valorum. Uh, there's a vote of no confidence. Yeah. What spurs all of that? This crisis in Naboo. Mm-hmm. And what spurs the crisis in Naboo? The trade and federation being told to do this by the Sith. Mm-hmm. And what? Um, you know, why are the Jedi sent in because of the blockade? You know, like mm-hmm. it's all doop 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 doop. Dominoes falling. Palpatine elected. If that's the case, though, the movie is total failure because Agreed. we barely see Palpatine, and who cares? We're not arguing about whether or not the movie works. Yeah, no, we're asking what it was. It's supposed to be about. But and he's right. That is the probably the biggest arc, and like that covers the most of the movie. Let's go back to the title. What's it called? The Phantom Menace. Yeah, should be What's called that? the Holographic Menace. But right, but ahead. who's that holograph? It's, it's Darth Sid. And who does that dude look a lot like? <sighs> Gragra? No. Palpatine. Oh, Palpatine. What if it was Gragra, though? Oh, God. What if it had that classic Gragra mouth? Like, ah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. No, so, yeah, no, you're right. Reps. He's the Phantom Menace behind the scenes working to get Palpatine elected chancellor yes. so that... Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We don't get to see the rest. We don't know. But I do think that was the Phantom Menace, was this idea Palpatine puts on a cloak... Gets Darth Maul out of their fucking studio apartment onto the terrace and is like, yo, you got to get out there and get some shit done. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's just trying to clear up yeah. everything. It's, it's a brilliant ploy by him because he's playing his own side yes. against his other side. He's, he's, he's playing Palpatine's yes. Naboo against Sidious's Trade Federation. He's talking out both sides of his mouth because he's going to, to the Asians and he's going, hey, block the trades. And then he's going... The Asians. Yeah, and then he's going to the Senate, and he's like, I don't know what I can do. And Valorum's like, I'm out of here. And he's like, I guess I got to take... I don't know. Yeah, the way he humbly accepts the role, he's like, I would never have thought he knew. It's what 9-11 truthers accuse George W. Bush of doing. Like sure, creating a, a conflict flag, yes, just yeah. so he can solve it and be the hero. Right, right. Why? So you can ascend to power and become an evil motherfucker. Yeah. Maybe? Which, I don't know. Just, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Mike Ryan's uh, significant Thanks, Mike. other, uh, Kate Urbland, who's also a great film writer. Oh, uh, well, it's not included here not in this packet here, we hey, have because she emailed me directly. Uh, didn't listen to my directions. Um, Whatever. Uh, Love you, Kate. I told her to email us at uh, Griffel and Simsburg. <laughs> Kate is the coolest. She's a film writer. Kate's you great. should check out her shit all over the place. She writes for. 
the Dissolve. She writes for uh, Vanity Fair sometimes. I think you know she she's yeah. all she's the best. She's been writing for uh, yeah, she's great. Um, here's here's what she wrote uh, to us. Uh, opening sentence: I am really worried about you guys. Yep, fair enough, Kate. Yep, good point. I'll Thank see you, you soon. Uh, here is my hot take, and hot take, of course, has a hashtag. Yep, one word. Um, I don't know what the Phantom Mass is about because I've never watched it. Crazy. Yep, because when the movie first hit theaters, even my then teen brain could recognize that it wasn't for me. I think I may have said to a friend, "This ain't for me." <laughs> <laughs> I do know, however, that Jar Jar Binks is in it, and he sounds extra horrible. The Phantom Mass is about Jar Jar Binks, and thus about horrible stuff. That's the whole thing. Yeah, nail it, Kate. Yeah, that's the thing. It's horrible. It's yeah. just horrible. Yeah, but I had to read it because it's like someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, her but take is as spot on as anyone else's. Yeah, take. yeah, it's about a bunch of horrible things. It is ostensibly about Jar Jar, like, sort of. Because yeah. Mike's point is, it's about Palpatine, right. but we argue it doesn't do that well. Yeah, I do no, think that's what no, it's trying to be about right. and doesn't that's, execute That's what well. the actual plot of the movie is about. George might say that's what it's about right. if you asked him. But if you watch it, Jar Jar is such a prominent part of the film that it feels like it's about Jar Jar. Yeah, you keep on expecting things. that it pays off in some larger way with Jar Jar. It's a dumb movie. I fucking hate it. All right. How about um, Lux or Ramona? Who should we... Let's let's read uh, let's read Lux here. Lux Alptrom, a longtime listener. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Hey, Lux. Uh, the and good friend, good friend. I should mention that too. But I, the fact that people listen to the podcast for me now overshadows the fact that they're my friends in real life. Agreed. Um, the Phantom Mass is a complex tale of the depths a man past his prime will sink to in a misguided attempt to mine the nostalgia of an entire generation for profit. Just she's saying that's Palpatine's plan. I'm, I'm, I'm very, sure. I'm very confused with this one. She thinks that Palpatine is trying to. Mind the nostalgia. So maybe growing nostalgia up. Nostalgia for science fiction, I'm sure she means. There was another trade blockade, and so Palpatine's doing another trade blockade. I, I don't I don't get this one, but yeah. No, I know what she's talking about. The trade blockades. Yeah. Uh, well, th- thank you, Lux. Let's, let's, do, let's do an audio clip. Let's oh, mix okay. it up, because okay. we've got a couple audio clips here. This is from the great Christopher Compton, uh, and he wrote in, drops mic, realizes he was using his phone as his mic, picks up mic and checks it for scratches. Uh, that's a, this is a funny intro. I like it. Um, and here, here is his audio clip. So let's, let's uh, take it away, Ben Deucer. Um, I think this is a movie about kids and the power of kids. So if we look at the, the storylines of the movie here, we have a very young boy who earns his own freedom from slavery by winning an impossible race. We have a uh, very young girl who is uh, somehow queen of her own planet. Um, and we have uh, set up as the villain of the movie, we have an old man who play acts as an even older man when he is in his evil form. Um, and I, I think this theory also um, explains the presence, the, uh, the omnipresence of Jar Jar Binks, who, uh, when you think about it, in the theater, seems to offend and, and repulse all adult members of the audience while having zero negative effect on children in the audience, which I think uh, uh, goes to show who's who's meant to be celebrated uh, by this movie. 
So I like this a lot. The children are our future is essentially the take. Yeah. Because you've got yourself Anakin. Yeah. He's got some bright future ahead yeah. of him. You got Amidala. She's solving a planet's whole problem. He's I mean, George is making this point too that maybe children are more equipped to deal with our problems than adults. Why yeah, not children elect a preteen? Have, yeah. Children can have an angle on things. Yes. Like Amidala arrives at the Senate and they're like, Oh a committee hearing and yeah. she's like, No. I believe she says committee. Committee. Hearing. I think she says committee. Yeah. Um yeah. I know she says it. Uh, she's like, no, no, uh, vote of no confidence. Now, she has been manipulated into that position by Palpatine. But but he's the gross old man. That's the point. He's the exactly. villain of the piece. Yeah. We shouldn't trust the elders. The yeah. children the are our future. Old, old, old. Bad, bad, bad. And, and, and Jar-Jar's a big old piece of shit, He's too. a big old piece of shit. He's a slave owner. Yeah. Uh, Compi is a very accomplished uh, actor and storyteller himself. He's been writing this big fantasy saga for like the last 15 years. Okay. He started writing this thing as a child that has grown in mythos. He's created his own universe, more expansive than the Phantom Menace universe. Okay. And like once a year, he will perform this story. It's like a free-form story of the land and everything. Right. So he, he spent a lot of time sort of creating and analyzing the nature of uh, mythology, uh, grand mythology. And I, th- I think he has a really, really smart take here. Um, it is for kids. And, and George, when people complain about the fandom as, he goes like, well, adults are taken too seriously. It's a movie for kids. He does say that a lot. He says that a lot. That's fair. So that, that all ties is very together. childlike. Jar Jar is very child. I thought that's what he was building up to. Jar Jar yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. appeals to children because I think he is like a child. Yeah. And the way that the other Gungans treat Jar Jar is reminiscent to how an adult like teacher would penalize like Jar Jar. Yeah. They would be like, Jar Jar, you're in trouble. So you should be in charge of our whole army. Right. Jar Jar's yeah. like the class clown. And sometimes the way you deal with the class clowns, you make him the line leader. Yeah, you promote. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Giving them responsibility. Yeah. Maybe that will they'll focus their energy there. Right. You're gonna be saltine distributor. My Griffin, were you saltine distributor? No, I was usually line leader because I was the class con. They were like, you have to lead people in a positive way. Right. Um Saltine Distributor though. I that wasn't the title. It was a snack giver. I don't know. Yeah. My school had jobs. Yeah. I were I went to a war camp. No, um, no, you didn't. <laughs> I know where you went to school. It was no war camp. <laughs> this, was, this was my elementary school. Was, oh, okay, okay, a, fair enough. I said work camp. A oh, work camp, yeah. Uh, but, it, but it was a work camp as well. Uh, Ramona had. Oh, Ramona! Great friend. Oh. Can I say something? So, uh, uh, I, I, uh, most of the people we've read from are people I know to some okay. uh, degree in real life, uh, or, or at least online or whatever. Um, a lot of them, I can say... Uh, have only been rewatching the movie because of listening to this podcast. I know. We made a lot of people watch this movie. A couple yeah. of them I don't think had seen it before. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and so these are hot takes of people, like, really getting into the movie mm-hmm. with clear with eyes. With an analytical eye. Yeah, Some yeah, of them yeah. not having seen it since they were children. Yep. Some of them not having seen it at all. And and watching it from the get-go. And some of them being professional critics. Yeah. Yeah, like Kate or Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kate, who notably still has hasn't seen it. the movie. Good job, Kate. Uh, but thank you for the recent trade on the Car Trader app. Um, nice. uh, going into it with our question in mind from the get-go. Yeah. They're watching and trying to solve it. And I think it shows because all these people are coming with really good answers. Uh, Ramona, great friend, says, uh, I think Phantom Menace is about Queen Amidala and her image as a queen of the people. In the middle, there is an extensive pod racing scene in the desert. <laughs> the pod racing is the hardest thing to tie into the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Ramona's point's good because she does uh, reconcile the pod racing by just saying that there is that, pod that racing happens. and making its own independent <laughs> statement. Um, I think Van Mass is about Queen Amidala and her image as a queen of the people. Now, this is kind of interesting because 
the movie definitely is about public appearances, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's where the whole decoy thing comes in. Mm-hmm. And that's where uh, Palpatine's manipulation comes in. Yes. And that's where TC-14 being like, these are some Jedis. Fucking hottest shit in the world. The hottest piece <laughs> in the galaxy. Uh, she knows they're Jedis because they're public presentation as hobo people with laser swords. But Right, but they do, but they do, when they come in, they go, oh, hey, we're here. What do they say? They're diplomats? Yeah, we're negotiators. Whatever. Right, yeah. right. But it's like, oh, that got, oh, uh, the hunt for Forlan, the newest bounty answer is now available for master access and the card trader. Forlan and other expended, extended universe. How do you, how do you get master access? You have to pay money, which I refuse to do. Yeah. I've only too. done it like 12 times. <laughs> No, I've done it like four times, which is too much. I spent like $5 on this app. Yeah. Um, but I have a very clear cap. Um, yeah, I do th- I do think it is a lot about images. There's a lot in the film about like reputations preceding people, people putting on different airs, pretending to be different things, all, all, all this yeah. stuff. And even, even when Qui-Gon's negotiating with Watto, I think he doesn't let on that he's a Jedi at first because then when he does the Jedi, the hand wave, he's like, oh, no, it's a toy dairy. It doesn't. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, so it is about it is about uh, images, definitely. Um, let's uh, read. I, I hate that scene because Watto is like, "What are you? Some kind of like you're acting like you're a Jedi? Like maybe he is a Jedi, Watto. Like yeah. do your homework. Don't yeah. fucking negotiate with this guy. Don't act like you're so smart when you're actually saying the dumbest thing yeah, in the world. Occam's Razor. If a guy's doing a Jedi mind trick, maybe it's because he's a Jedi. Yeah, that's like Three's Company level. <laughs> like just ignoring what's in front of you just to move the plot along. Like you yeah. better not be dating these women. Exactly. Uh, Nathan Wagner, the great Nathan Wagner. I like saying people are the great, uh, if you yeah, haven't noticed. TV's sorry. Nathan Wagner. Uh, TV's Nathan Wagner, That's also I believe known as Nathan Swagner, is a uh, longtime caller in the Chris Gathard Show, uh, our favorite TV show in the world. Yep. Um, thank you for uh, listening and writing in. Uh, he writes, I'm probably late on this. No, he's not. But here's my take on Star Wars Episode One. I think The Phantom Menace is all about working together. Huh. Okay. Every character has their own major flaw or setback in the movie. Jar Jar's clumsy. Obi-Wan never does anything. That's True. a pretty big setback. Captain Panaka is boring. <laughs> major setback. Yeah, and that's a plot point in the film. They keep on going, like, Panaka, you are putting yeah, me no, to Panaka sleep. Yeah, no, Panaka bores yeah, people yeah. regularly to sleep, and we it don't causes have an problems. Army. And they're like, Panaka, get some fucking charisma. But throughout the movie, no one in the main group of heroes calls the other one out in their problems. Interesting. Okay. That's true. There is no conflict internally. Yep. Yep. Qui-Gon just accepts that Jar Jar is going to bumble around and still lets him be part of the group. He never seems happy with it, but he also never is like, okay, Jar Jar, you're out. Yeah, it's true. And this kind of answers our question as to why they bring Jar Jar and R2 with them to most Espa. Because we're always like, what what game? It doesn't answer the question, but at least gives some grounding for maybe why Qui-Gon wouldn't just say to him, like, stay in the spaceship. Uh, by, going back to Nathan's words here, uh, by allowing each other to work together, they overcome the hardships as a group. Also, I just want to say thank you for this podcast. I love it, and you did a great job creating content from a single movie. I agree. That's what we're here to do. We're here to create content. No, thank you. Um, I like that. Uh, so they're all working together. So let's think. It's like okay, so you've got Amidala, but she's on her own in Naboo, struggling. Mm-hmm. You know, with a boring security chief and a griping. Uh, bearded advisor. So Bibble. Yeah, and then, it's all these old people who can't relate to her and they're like yeah. telling her what to do. So she's, she's struggling like, oh, and yeah. she needs to meet up with the Jedi who can give her enough initiative maybe to make a bold move such as leaving the planet to try and convince the Senate of her uh, whatever yeah. plight. And, and tying into Ramona's take, she it's such a burden for her to keep up this appearance of being this regal, mature yeah. queen with these regal? big head dresses. Regal? 
Um, but uh, when she teams up with the Jedi, suddenly it's like, oh no, I'm just this handmaid. And yeah. she's allowed to like just kick it. Yeah, she kicks it. Yeah. And it's the same for Jar Jar. Jar Jar's arc is banished, clumsy, yeah. meets up with the Jedi. Yeah. And they figure out what he's good for, which is, I guess, being clumsy in a good way, I yeah. suppose. And By then they accident. meet Anakin. Anakin, not mentioned here, has a significant setback in the movie, which is that he was born into slavery. Yep. And yet... He overcomes it by becoming a by piece of shit. <laughs> a little piece of shit. A little turd. But but he's free, ostensibly, yeah. because yeah. only because his slave owner dies. Wait, Anakin? His slave owner doesn't die. Yeah, Qui-Gon. Oh. <laughs> right. Don't you remember he trades hands? <laughs> That's correct. But then Yoda has that talk with Obi-Wan where he's like, I guess you'll take care of the boy. So I guess at the end, his, his, but it, the it, deed it, is just transferred right, over. But there may, may not be, it may be over. That's true. We don't know because we'll Do never know have because a will? there's not. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And unfortunately, there's not a sequel, so we'll never know. Yeah. But uh, great, great take, Nathan Swagner. All these takes are really good. Okay. Um, I think we have another audio clip. Uh, yeah. Let's play uh, Miles Robbins here. The great Miles Robbins. He's a friend of the show and a, and a friend of real life. Uh, once again, a person I've uh, went to high school with, okay, and have become closer with recently because of the podcast. That's nice. He started reaching out to me after the podcast aired. Uh, yeah, surprised by how much he liked it, uh, and has been rewatching Phantom Mass obsessively. And uh, that's very heartwarming. Yeah, and that now we've been uh, hanging out more. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, here is my interpretation of what The Phantom Menace is about. Um, I think that The Phantom Menace is about the fact that others are weird or bad more often than not. Uh, there's not a single alien character in the film who is helpful to the protagonist and also not a Gungan and therefore clownish and condescendingly portrayed. You know, I mean, you've already discussed at length that the Trade Federation is a bunch of evil Chinamen, that Watto is a greedy Jew, that Sebulba is a smoker who is also a slave owner. Um, I mean, Yoda just kind of talks a lot of shit, like doesn't really offer good advice. Um, you know, when there's a corrupt bureaucrat whispering in the ear of the chancellor, it like just happens to be the blue guy with the phallus ears. Um, and you kind of notice that the humans tend to hang with the humans and uh, the others hang with the others. I think there's only one time we see an alien hanging out with a human and it's Watto. Um, and he's with Warwick Davis at the pod race. Um, but that can also be arguably interpreted as dwarves belong with the weird aliens, which is, um, you know, kind of further, furthering the offensiveness of the idea. Um, I think that the only chill alien characters in the movies are the, uh, are the movie. Um, there's two announce The two announcers I think are neutral and Anakin is friends with like a baby Rodian who, which is the green, you know, I've read somewhere that there's a character named Greedo, uh, somewhere in the, you know, fan fiction. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they're Rodians. Yeah, so there's this little baby Rodian, and he just kind of, like, moves his arms around. So I don't think he's really a significant enough character con to consider him to be, like, on the good guy's side and also, um, you know, relatable. 
Like, there's no aliens who are relatable. It's like the humans are us, and then the other things are weird and scary or strange or annoying or silly. Um, but there's, like, no... Um, there's no, like, understanding or empathy for the alien characters. Like, they're always others. So I think that The Phantom Menace is about, like, how, like, you stay with your kind and I'll stay with my kind. Um, so it's racism, basically, is what The Phantom Menace is about. I like that. I agree. It's a xenophobic piece of shit movie, is what you're yeah. saying, basically. Yeah, because we've been wrestling with the... the um, how to get to racism street. Yeah. How to get to racism street. But also just these creaky stereotypes that the movie is like throwing in our face. And it's like, what larger point is he trying to make? And right. Miles came with a, a clear through line, which is all the humans in the film either uh, have regal uh, uh, British accents. They speak like uh, 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 graduates of RADA. Yeah, they're like BBC uh, newscasters. Yeah. yeah. Or they just have these like. Uh, mid-Atlantic uh, accents, like all the all the American characters in the film, uh, right? Like Anakin or um, uh, uh, Padme, Padme, uh, Padme, Padme, not, not Queen Amidala, Queen Amidala. Padme Nibiru, um, not Padme Amidala, no, Padme Nibiru. Um, but the but the aliens are all gross, and and. He was saying, Except for the Gungans. And they are gross, but they're helpful. They're gross, gross but they're they little spit babies. And they slobber. They're friendly little babies. They're little babies. And Tamal's So they're point, othered as well. Completely othered. To, yeah. to Miles's point, Jar Jar is a fuck up. Like he's a pain in the ass in the movie. Like he's not a bad guy. No. But he causes a lot of damage and ultimately only saves the day by causing accidental damage that is positive. Correct. Uh so it it is like, well, uh the other is either stupid or evil. Yeah. Jar Jar's stupid. He means well, but he's stupid. Big old stupid face. Everyone else is evil and conniving. Uh, George uh, Lucas uh, clearly has uh, weird weird issues that he hasn't dealt with. But here's a good point to offer a little correction. Weeks back, I had mentioned that uh, I thought that that the seeming racism of the film was at odds with the fact that George Lucas was such a big supporter of uh, African-American rights. Um, and uh, made the film Red Tails because yeah. he felt like a black history was not represented as much in the media right. uh, as white history. Um, and he hired a black director for it. You know, he he wasn't. You know, like yep. he made he made efforts to make like people of color be represented in that film through like not just in the cast. That was a passion project. He was originally going to build uh, large sound stages uh, in California. Well, I feel like there's a butt coming though. Well, he didn't get the uh, zoning for it. The, oh, his no, neighbors yeah. didn't approve, so he instead, with this land he has, decided to turn to affordable housing. Oh, yeah, no, I heard about that, which is great. Yeah. yeah. He's, he does a lot of great shit. Yeah. Uh, and and I said that he is married to an African-American woman. Right. Which is correct. Okay. I, at the time, I believe, said, I think she's the editor of Jet Magazine. <laughs> I think you did say that, or Ebony Magazine. You said either Jet or Ebony. Yep. Uh, turns out uh, she's uh, one of the most successful venture capitalists in the world. So you're just an idiot. I'm an idiot and a racist. <laughs> I mean, is it racist to assume that a black person would be in charge of Jet Magazine? No. But no. is it racist that you're like, I don't know, she's important. She's like the editor of Jet Magazine. It's racist to assume that if he, if she's a successful black businesswoman, <laughs> that it must be. It's like a fashion magazine or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're an idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Legal. She, she gave a great uh, TED Talk that you should all look up recently. Okay. Okay. What's her name? I don't. I don't. Know uh, I don't remember it either. Is it Melissa Lucas? Is that anyway? I think that was. His, or is that his ex-wife sister or something? Or ex-wife? I don't know. Right, okay. Uh, but she. She's like the chief financial officer of DreamWorks Animation. But she also ran a hedge fund. Oh, so she's like yeah. She's just a useless. Uh, her name is Melody Hobson. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but she's yeah, she's she's done a lot of stuff. She's a very impressive lady, and I apologize for assuming that you work for Jet Magazine. You're a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. If there's any through line to our show, what the show is about, yeah, so th- it's that you are the Jar Jar of the show. I'm the Jar Jar of I'm the, the show. Captain Tarples. I'm the Jar Jar of the show. So you're the secret success, but also it's you know, a lot weakness. of calamities occur. Yep. And I'm next to you on my what are this thing? What do they ride? I don't know what they ride. My, yeah, my Gungan creature. Uh, can I take a brief detour? Yeah, go ahead. A uh, little merchandise spotlight? No, oh, sure, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, got to wrap it up, got to wrap up all the threads. I got to do yeah, a little yeah, merchandise yeah. spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. All right. Do you, do you know what this sound is right here? That sounds like Comtech chips. This is $30 worth of Comtech chips. Wow. I have not been able to recover my Comtech reader. Good, perfect, great. So we're just going to open the They're chips. They're just extra useless. And we're going to play for you the sounds of how the chips sound just physically as items, as plastic tchotchkes. I've actually, I'm actually a little excited to hold these things because I've heard about them okay, so, so much. Okay, so this is a cardboard box, and inside is a Taco Bell bag. Ooh. This is wrapped in a plastic Taco Bell bag. Oh, wow. Yeah, so let's just rub some of these chips together in here. What do you got? You got the a Boss Nass. I got a Boss Nass here. Okay, and I got here, what are the, what is Le- Luke Skywalker? I don't know who the fuck this well, is. Well, Skywalker, that's Anakin's name, so maybe that's his, like, grandpa or something from says, a novel. It says aspiring pilot, so maybe this is... Uh, we got Qui-Gon, we got Amidala. I have something that is just Star Wars. I don't really know what that's that is. That's the one that comes with the Comtech Reader. It's just got some various uh, uh, sound effects. I got Adi Gallia here, member of the Jedi Council. Yes. Uh, Rick Ollier, uh, that oh. is excitedly showing me. Yep. Oh, um, I got two of the big ones right here. I got I got Anakin, Anakin Skywalker. These are all numbered, by the way, and on the back they have a name and a status. Anakin Skywalker, son of Shmi Skywalker, owned by Watto. And then I got Kaya D. Mundi. And I'm going to play for you right here. Here's the sound of two Comtechs. Being rubbed together. Yeah, this is really exciting podcasting. I'm just looking for TC14 right now. We gotta get a TC14 here, right? Yeah. There was definitely a fit. Let's dump these all out. Uh, Admiral Mahdi, I don't know who he is. Yeah, he's probably extended. Gives a shit. Sounds stupid. Uh, Naboo Foot Soldier. Great. Uh, this is this is now seeing them all splayed on the table like this. This was. Uh, a, a really stupid purchase. Oh, you like this one, though, don't you? Oh, no, Gascano. That's not your favorite of the. Uh, He's the one I almost bought, and he turned out to be a piece of shit. He's the one with the multiple arms. The here's, guy I like is Odie Mandrell. There's Tarples. Here's Watto. Um, so you got some good ones. So here. these are the ones I have dupes of somewhere. Here's I, that fan fiction character Greedo that he was talking about. Yeah, or whatever I don't know what the fuck is. he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, I do like that Miles invoked a, a Watto's box, which I previously said was the most important. Here's Odie Mandrell. Uh, pot. Uh, is it possible? Because I got. I had got 34 Comtech ships. They didn't list which ones were in there. They just said it was an assortment with no dupes, but this isn't the complete collection. I thought you got 48. Maybe? I think it's 48. This uh, is a lot. This is a lot. Is it possible that I didn't get TC-14? Well, was she, did she have a Comtech ship? Yes, 100%. She had a figure and she had a Comtech ship. Well, it looks like you didn't get her, so congrats. Well, great. The fucking $35 spent for nothing. For not. This is awful. This is the worst day of my life. <laughs> No, it's not. There's some really good ones here. Oh, you're right, because saving grace, what's here? A second package. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. A second package. It says fragile. fragile on it. What is this? David, I told you I had surprises. You did. I showed up late, and you were in the bathroom, so you didn't even see I brought this box in. You didn't Holy even know it was here, Planet. I didn't, what am actually. I? What? What's coming out of this? There oh my she god! Is. Wow. Deluxe 12-inch okay. right. electronic talking... TC fourteen. No, no, look closer to your body. No, I want to. I want to get the microphone. It is okay. incredible. Look at her. There's a try me button. I'm gonna see if the batteries are dead. 
No, it's working. I'm going to hold up to the mic. It's very quiet, but it's working. Come on, TC14. Come on, Lindsay. Uh, ben is checking to see if that, nope. that, that was not picked up by the microphone. Okay, I'm going to listen to it. I'll tell you the phrase this is. I'm TC14 at your service. Oh, God, I bet you aren't. <laughs> my master will be with you shortly. You're my master, TC14. Master my body. We are greatly honored by your visit. Yeah, wait until I visit your vagina. Make yourself comfortable in your vagina. And this way, ambassador, into my vagina. All right. So that's TC14. I have a disgusting sexual obsession. Is there like an Ex Machina sequel coming, but it's just about you trying to build a TC14? Probably. Yeah. Uh, this, this is, no joke, one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. It is actually really. It's This is the thing. Like, this is a very well-made toy. It looks like, really good. It's yeah. large. It's huge. Huge. It talks. It says Why every. Why did they make this? I have no idea. No, who would have? This was made just so we could find this. Because you said later. like there's only a few of the twelve inches, right? Like there's like Jar Jar and Quiet, like you know they, these big toys that weren't so, meant. Yeah, twelve inches. I'd say it's the main ten characters. Right, right. Maybe twelve, and then of the twelve inches, there are only three, I believe, electronic deluxe talk. talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was there are four. It was Jar Jar, Qui Gon, Darth Maul. All obvious choices, right. and then TC14, who speaks five phrases that represent all five lines of dialogue she has in the movie. I can see myself in this It's so robot. shiny. It's how shiny it is. And can we mention, like, this and box- And it comes with two cups. Yep. And a, a, a tea-serving kettle. Yeah. yeah, and then the tray. The and a right tray. There. It's all, all the things you see TC14 hold in the movie. This, the, yeah, no, this is this is a remarkable wow. thing. It's an amazing condition. The box looks like it's just off the shelf. This looks like a new release, does it, does. it not? Yeah. Um, so I didn't get a TC14 contract ship, but I got the fucking 38, and then yeah. I have I can make TCT uh, TC14 talk all, all I want. I guess it's fucking mine now. Little scary. It's fucking mine. Um, great. That was this week's merchandise spotlight. Thank you, Griffin. <laughs> This week's segment is subtitled "Griffin spends too much money." Are you one of the people? Are you going to keep this in the box? Like, what? What's no. your? No. Okay. Good. No, yeah, you're not one of those weirdos. No, I might keep the box. I mean, there's a the nice, box is nice. There's a nice cardboard insert here that like sh- it's like a background to try to sort of make her look. Yeah. No, I get in it. her right. place setting the movie. I might keep that for display. I don't keep it in the box. I might keep the box and sometimes put it back in there when I. That's the fantasy I want to play out at that time. Um, just just to be clear, like I'm not into like submissive treatment of women. That's not like sexually what gets my bag. But TC14 is not a woman; she's a robot. So I'm really into that. Um, it's a sexy feminine a, identifying yeah. robot. Yeah. Um, this is a sort great of. toy. Is, that was a good use of money. The Comtech chips were uh, maybe a bust. Uh, but I, no, I'm gonna go to no, I like the my parents' chips. apartment. I'm gonna they're find solid. I just they're like, solid. Yeah. You, you hear the sound? Yeah, I like can you all it. hear this? I kind of can see why you were hoodwinked into buying these when you were a kid. Yeah, and now I have the collection I always wanted. I never had enough. Oh, my God. All One right. can never have enough Comtech chips. Ooh, Chancellor Valorum here. Ooh. Uh, 41. Oh, these are all numbered. Well, okay, great. Great merchandise spotlight. Um, the the best. Uh, we have we have an audio clip here from uh, Kenny Olgovy. Okay. Uh, who is uh, an Australian uh, gentleman I worked with at a summer camp years ago. Haven't spoken to in a long time. Very excited to um, uh, hear from him again and uh, hear his thoughts. Uh, and he says here, uh, I feel that you are facing the same weight that Serial did when approaching the penultimate and final episodes, How to Decide What Phantom Mass is about. Hopefully lawyers somewhere decide to cash in on your audience and make their own podcast about further investigations into the plot. Right, makes sense. Yeah, uh, that George Lucas is a litigious sort, and now that Disney owns Star Wars for whatever fucking reason, 
um, they might they might have some sort of retaliation. So this file is called Star Ears. <laughs> Clever title there. Let's go. Uh, and producer Ben, take it away. I think um, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace Episode One was really ambitious. Um, it seems to have been a precursor to Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. Um, I mean, you've got these expositional circumstances that are leading up to a moment we don't see, um, and the first step of any journey would be the call to adventure. Um, And I feel that a character that we have not yet met from the film or from the world is being set up in this story. And I think the movie exists as an expositional way to introduce you to this call to adventure. I don't feel that there are any moments that are not trying to set up something in the future. Um, you know, there, there's no... There is certain storylines that are, you know, adventurous and using that journey. Um, but there's no old wise man at the side of the road. I mean, you've got all these older... Uh, characters who should be mentors and the idea of the mentor is looked at in the film but you know the wise old man the wise old kung fu master on the side of the road who is hidden from the hero and deceives him and uh, guides him on a journey it's just it's just not there Um, there's no paradise to return to. There's no, um, this is what we're fighting for, and this is what, you know, there's no stakes uh, that are, you know, there's nothing at stake. There's no gravity to those stakes. Um, Like, I think the best way I can describe that is, you know, when I saw Lord of the Rings as a trilogy, you know, you could see that hero's journey well-established, and that what are we fighting for? The Shire. And I feel that, you know, that film really bookmarked the the journey of the Lord of the Rings really well, um, ignoring a lot of other source material from the books um, and really returning to that paradise and um, ignoring things that happened at the end of the book just to visually give that audience the this is paradise and this is what we've achieved by adventuring i agree kenny it's a movie about nothing <laughs> i feel like that's your take in summation is it's a movie right. about nothing it's a it's a bridge to nowhere and it hey yeah it doesn't follow the storytelling principles maybe it's trying to follow yes yeah, the, yeah. and it feels like Campbell it's stuff yeah. as we've talked about a lot it feels like it's setting up a lot of things that we never get to see because they only made one fucking movie that's not how you well, make movies this is the problem it's not how you make movies. I supplied chapstick. It's not how you make movies. 
Every movie should work as its own individual experience. You can't put stuff off to go, well, someday we'll get to that later. See, I don't agree with this entirely. But really? I agree with it to some extent. It's just I feel like this is being lobbed at the Marvel movies a lot right now. But all those movies are pretty enjoyable on their own. I think a couple of them are, of them are really... handicapped by that. But I even think less about that and more of other franchise starters that never took off like the Tougher with it. That's the thing. Like Iron Man... That's its own movie. Yeah. It is a franchise starter, but it doesn't seem like one. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying within the Marvel No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm yeah. just saying like that's your, you're with the starter, you can't just be like, guys, you wait for the next one. You got to be like, yes. here's a movie. Uh-huh. Did you like it? Yeah. Okay, then. Let's make more. I might have already referenced this on the podcast, but I remember reading some interview with uh, noted director McGee. Uh, before the release of Terminator uh, Salvation. You have uh, you referenced this to me. I'm not sure if you referenced it, yeah. it on the podcast. Um, and it was b- before that movie came out, and that movie was supposed to be the start of a new fucking yeah, Terminator, Terminator franchise. franchise. It was going to be its boring own trilogy of boring garbage. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about uh, Common and how small his role was in the first film. And he went, well, I told Common we got big plans for him in the second and third film. And it's like, no, you fucking, if you, his character becomes interesting in two and three, make it f- fucking interesting in the first one. And then make it more interesting later. I, I, I completely Why agree. put a character in a movie to have him do fucking nothing? That's just common sense. Hey, but, God, producer Ben is so smart. <laughs> ben, I heard you have your own yeah, hot take. Ben, we want to hear your hot take. Oh, I got uh, my own hashtag hot takes, all right? Oh, boy. So... The Phantom Menace is this shadowy figure that's pulling the strings behind the scenes, right? Controlling destinies, affecting many worlds, the universe in his hands. This movie's about the man. Oh, you're saying like capital T, capital M, the man. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's interesting. And just quickly before we uh, analyze your analysis, I want to make it clear that you were reading that from a pre-written text. <laughs> Poet laureate himself. Because I don't want people thinking that he just spins this shit off his brain and suddenly every time he's so concise. Griffin. Hey, smart, good work, good writing, but don't think that came right off the top of the dome. Put, put the ruler away. Producer Van Poet laureate. Great take. I do think it's about the man. We talked from the beginning. There's this weird distrust of organizations. Yeah, a distrust yeah, yeah. of business, big business, a distrust of government. Yeah. For and, a man and of patriarchy. For a man who's super fucking wealthy and seemingly has the power to do whatever he wants. It's true. Make a movie completely out of the studio system. Yeah. With no one telling him what to do. He like hates the, he, he hates rules and regulations. He yeah. hates to bureaucracy and debate and all that you know but but in a way that feels like it's the product of someone who is directly suffering with the consequences of that on a daily basis which it could not be less true <laughs> i mean yeah i know he's completely shielded from but it. he is someone who hates studio systems and things like that yes. that is for sure yeah and he's made a movie about the child female ruler of a planet who wants to do her own thing and is blocked at every turn. By old white men. By old white men. Also and known middle-aged as white men. The man. I also known as the man. Um, I By want... fucking Sio Bibble and his Sio Bibble and his bearded cronies. So you're, you're locking Comtex Yeah, I made now. a big discovery, which is the Comtex chips each have a little indent in them. If you stick them together, you can lock them together. It's like, it's like Lincoln Logs. It's pretty cool. All right, second hot take. Oh, ooh, you have two hot takes? Oh, boy. Oh, my God, Ben Deucer. All right, so... Is it maybe perhaps about the representation of evil? Reading off a pre-prepared document, go on. A phantom devil. The greed of man. Vanity, racism, okay. war. Yeah. And yeah. a whole lot of slavery. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, uh, 
what is the Phantom Menace? It's not just a guy in a hologram giving orders. It's all of these Phantom Menaces, these it, things we can't define. It, it's the most banal privilege. of evils. Right. You know? Yeah. The sort of privilege and conformity. An evil so banal, they don't even know that that's the problem. Yeah, They're casual bigotry, the, things yeah. like this that just sneak into our daily lives. You know? Sports gambling. Sports gambling. Corruption and gambling. Yeah. The thing that started my father's long ascent towards financial instability. Cut that out. All right. Cutting it. And uh, lastly, third take. Oh, boy. Okay. I like it. Guys, is this a representation of nihilism? (laughs) Ooh. The stalled politics. The urban decay. Fighting for a cause. But what cause? It's useless. Who's our hero? I don't know. Nothing matters at the end of the day, guys. Right. Everything's going to crumble, grind to a halt. Uh, the Jedi are ants trying to affect, like, you know, you're firing a bullet at a, at a train. Yeah. It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. Excellent point raised in that prepared statement you just read off computer screen, man. Um, no, I agree. The, I mean, yeah, the argument that the movie is sort of about futility. I mean, we yeah. complain about, like, what the fuck is happening Because at the end of the movie, movie, they're like, great, the trade negotiations are over. The Gungans and the Naboo people are at peace, but then it's yeah, like the but idiot saves the got day. What he wanted, yeah. yeah Qui Gon died. Anakin like, is just a slave in another person's hands. Jar Jar is like getting promoted. Jar Jar is in charge of things now. For incompetence by accident. This is a, this is how this is the banality of evil. How someone can rise to the top just through being at the right place yeah. at the right Jar-Jar time. Jar is almost, he's like, it's like a yeah, Gogol story. It's like an old Russian, like, you know, this sort of idiot bureaucrat just rises through the ranks while someone else, like, you know. It, it's, a, it's a little like being there if, if being yes. there was insufferable. Oh, you're totally right. Jar Jar is like a Forrest Gump thing. He's, he's like a Chauncey Gardner. He's, no, or, yeah, Chauncey Gardner or Forrest Gump, because Forrest Gump is a total ripoff of being there. Yeah, they go, what's um, your name? And he goes, Chance the Gardener. And they go, oh, Chauncey Gardner. Like, they make it into a fancier name, but yeah. he's just a dumb He's adult. He's like a man child who's a gardener. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Being there's a great movie. Forrest Gump is yeah, okay. uh, sort of the proto Jar Jar. Um, I I oh, these I th- are all good those takes. Are hot ben, takes. Those are hot takes, and they definitely. Man, got- I'm gonna need some mittens for those yeah. takes. Yeah, they're definitely a little too hot to handle, and also it's easy to come up with takes that hot when you take the time to write them in advance. I just I'm not diminishing your accomplishment, but I want to make it clear: you and I are just riffing, David. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just throwing off the top of the dome. We're like jazz musicians. Yeah, exactly. It's almost the things we don't say are as important as the things we do. A hundred percent, especially during fan fiction episodes where you mostly talk about Qui Gon's penis. Oh God. What a nice dick. Well, anyway, hey, you're welcome. Uncircumcised. Well, he's Irish. I right. Mean, yeah. Um, space Irish. I was saving this take for last. Yeah, okay. Because I think it's the best one. Okay, I haven't even read this one. Uh, Chris Cookson. This, Chris Cookson is an old buddy of mine. Haven't seen him in a couple of years either. I'm reconnected with all these people through this podcast. <laughs> it's wonderful, wonderful news. Uh, he's a, a fantastic animator um, and a great guy. And he wrote this take, which I think put the entire movie into perspective for me. Okay. It's the answer I've been looking for. Whoa. I spent a lot of time thinking about this very question while listening to the Phantom podcast, and it's been haunting me for weeks. Knows how we feel. Yep. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. The further I try to look at it, the more and more difficult the question becomes. Boy, I'm relating to this, right? This is just the story of the Phantom podcast so far. It's not a coming-of-age story because Anakin never really learns anything throughout the whole film. Nor is it a film about a bunch of outcast nobles and trained monks learning about how friendship can overcome social and political turmoil because there's no chemistry between any of the cast and no one really grows. That's true. That's kind of uh, cutting uh, Nathan Swagner's uh, take. Sorry, Nathan. Uh, down to size. 
Um, to me, so so he's knocking out of things a lot of things it isn't, which is yeah. I feel like we've been doing more of that. They come with an answer just being like it's not this, it's not this. So but far, we're, we're trimming the bonsai tree, but it's certainly at yeah, a certain not, point we're just going to have a little stick. Yeah. All right, but here's where Chris cooks in. Okay, takes the gun out of the holster. To me, the Phantom Mass is a story about consequences, about how seemingly unrelated actions can have larger implications. It's a movie that manages to have all the crowd-pleasing scenes audiences demand without any real reason to build it up. As a result, the overall story and ideas presented in the film are abstract, amusing on the Hollywood blockbuster formula, race relations, and the role individual governments can have in bringing world order. And here's his final sentence, and this is a fucking whammy. It is simultaneously about nothing and everything at the same time. In some ways, it is the very first blockbuster art film. So he's saying that it's like a chaos theory movie. Yeah. Like it's like the movie is just a bunch of people flapping their wings and a bunch of stuff is happening as a result. But like like to look for connection beyond that, you have to zoom all the way out and just see this is just a ball of chaos. Right. So that's within the text of the film. But on a meta level, he's also saying that the structure of the film with a lot of boring exposition and exciting action sequences like the pod race that have no bearing on the rest of the film is also inconsequential. Like, the things we want as moviegoers don't have any impact on the rest of the film, which we have to see, which has enormous impact, but we don't care about. Right. And he's saying because of that, it's the film's caught in this constant paradox. It's like an abstract work of art. I mean, this goes back to what, what George was saying, which is that he was just trying to make a silent movie. I mean, go back to his fucking UCLA short films and they're just cars in motion. I think he resents the fact that he has to make a movie with characters and dialogue and things sure, like that. Sure, maybe that's why his things that he in- includes for, quote unquote, the audience mm-hmm. are so hateful and evil like Jar Jar Binks. Right. Like he's trying to torture us being like, oh, you want character development? This is what fucking character development looks like. How many times have I said Jar Jar Binks in the times. last 10 weeks? Too many times. Oh my God. Um, but I think I think Chris is right. I think it's a movie about everything and nothing. Well, that's a little bit of an easy answer, Griffin Newman. It's about everything and nothing. But isn't that a You're nice really answer? You're really covering your bases there. Isn't that a nice answer? Because that way it accepts all of the previous takes. Oh, I know. You're, you're, we're dovetailing here. I know what you're doing. As canon. Perhaps everyone's right. Perhaps the Phantom Mass is a Rorschach test. It's yeah. a carnival mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you see in it is what you get. Yes. And maybe that's why we examine art in the first place. Maybe. Is to figure out who we are. This is this is beautiful. Now you're giving now now so really what we're talking about though is what is this podcast about? Right, because right, why why do we why, why, watch movies? You're bringing it all the way around and then zooming out. Listen to music, read books. Cuz we want to find things that make us feel alive. That that make the the insufferable, mind-numbing, overwhelming reality of existence Make a sense for just a second, right? Sure. We don't know why we're on this That's fucking planet. That's what we're planet. looking for in art, yeah. Why are we alive? It makes no sense. Why are we the dominant species? This makes no sense. Mm. We could be on a planet with a bunch of aliens where we're all living together and instead we're the only species that's evolved to this point and we have fucking Jamba juices and shit and we wear Skechers. How, do, how did this happen? It makes no sense and it's overwhelming. And you see a movie and for two hours, you go, it's about the Fury Road. It's about getting the wives back 
to to the, the homeland, yeah. to the green place, yeah. and it makes you feel better. And it goes, yeah, we should treat women more nicely. Things like that it makes you feel good. And the Phantom Menace is going, oh, you want that? You want that sort of satisfaction? I'm not gonna fucking give it to you. And it's just throwing so much garbage out in your face that you can't fucking process it. And we sit here for ten weeks and we try to break it down, and we can't do it. It's impossible. It is impossible. And that's what the movie is. The we movie's- are, we are Sisyphus rolling. Fucking rock up a hill. The movie's saying, oh, you want movies? You want exciting space travel? This is what it is. Except it's not. And so now you have to take a, a long, hard look in the mirror and figure out who you actually are and what you want to do. I feel like I've learned a lot about myself doing this podcast. Yeah, I've learned a lot about you and about myself. Thank you. Yeah. So maybe that's what the Phantom Ass is about. Wow, listeners, I wish you could just see that. That was like experiencing Davis, Miles Davis, like... Yeah, that oof. was that was jazz at its height. There's a real bitches brew in here. Bitches grab, 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 brew grab, grab, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, too. Well, um, so, you know, we'll be taking a little break. We'll be coming back with a bonus app uh, early June yeah. of the uh, feature-length commentary, our last time watching The Phantom Menace that oh, week. Um, and then we'll be doing Judging the Judge. And after that, I mean, sci-fi is fun to cover. So you know what I'm thinking? IMDb has a feature where similar to? movie connections. Yeah. So you can see like other things that are similar. So we can see if we can find any comparisons here. Um, let's see here. There's a references section. So apparently Phantom Menace references Casablanca, Citizen Kane, The Wizard of Oz, Metropolis, and the Buster Keaton Classic Seven Chances. I did not pick up on any of those references. Uh, yes. But apparently it also references the film Viva Zapata because it features the line, wipe them out, all of them. Okay. Stupid. But let's look up here. Uh, other similar film. Wait a second. What do you got? Um, I guess is one of the similar films hmm, to The Phantom Menace. So a movie that came after it. But there's a section here and it says followed by. Followed by? Star Wars... Episode two. Well, that one assumes that would have been the title of the failed sequel that was not picked up by a studio or anything like that. Right, Ben? I'd assume so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Sometimes IDB has credits for films that are in development. Yeah, right, exactly. But hold on. This one has a subtitle. It says Attack of the Clones. Wait, what? Not a great title. Interesting. And then in parentheses next to it is... 2002. So that was when it was the planned release date. Was I two- don't think I would be worked that way. Let me click on this link. <laughs> what are you talking about, Griffin? By the way, the, I'm the so day, confused. The day we're recording this right now, David pointed out, is the 17th anniversary 16th, of the release. 16th, 16th anniversary. anniversary of the release of The Phantom Mass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't be listening to it on that day, but know that we're doing it that day. Wait a second, David. Release date, May 16th, 2002. Box office gross 310? Domestic three hundred ten dollars. So it probably just played in the one no, theater. Three hundred ten million. Runtime one forty two minutes. Ben, you have one twenty IMAX version. Face. Sound mix DTS Dolby Digital EX color two point three five to one aspect ratio. This sounds like a finished movie. There's another movie. There's, There's another, another movie. Star Wars movie. The whole time under the under our noses. There's an, who who to thunk. <laughs> He did it. <laughs> the crazy bastard. Did <laughs> the crazy bastard did it. He pulled it off. Star Wars Episode Two: oh. The Phantom Menace. I assume the whole cast is back. Wait, it's yeah, yeah. Well, Ewan wait. McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi, of course. Natalie Portman is Padme, of course. And then playing the role of Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen. Oh, the guy who was in Life Is a House. But that's weird. Everyone, other actors, are the same, and then suddenly. So is this set significantly in the future? Is Natalie Portman going to be wearing old age makeup? Because probably enough times. 
pass? And that title? How much concept of time do you have here? I don't know. That title, Attack of the Clones. That's a, Yeah, that's a, a mediocre title. I would think, though, I mean, what? The breakout star of the Phantom Menace was Darth Maul. Well, or or Gragra, for right. sure. Yeah. Darth Maul dies. He does. So you're just going to, wait, wait. So we've just discovered there is another Star Wars movie. I can't. This I is can't crazy. This is huge, by this the way. This is insane. We're going to need to clear out, judging the judge, but then we're going to need to clear out some time to do this. We're going to do judging the judge, and then I think we're going to devote another 10 weeks. What, we're going to become Attack of the Podcast. Attack of the Podcast. There yeah, we'll go. do Attack of the Podcast. Um, but the, the, most sequels, right? When you make a sequel, you go, what you do the audience- You focus on the breakout hits of the first What do they movie? like about the first movie? What do they not by like? By the way- Phantom Menace made a lot of money. It is not that surprising that this sequel happened in one way, you know? More surprising that we didn't know about it. I'd I say that's, that's, that's a major bluff on our part. I made a goof. Yeah. It's a, it's a flop. It's a spoof. Yeah, and a I'm goof. sorry, as the producer, I, I, I should have. You should have been on top of that. Yeah, you should have known. Sorry. Like, you you spent too much time writing your hot takes. Oh, boy. <laughs> weeks and weeks Since on week your hot one. takes. Why do you think they were the, the fucking diamond cut wording? <laughs> because he was writing them for 10 weeks. All right. I'm saying if I had to speculate right now yeah, what it's re- about. Let's just leave this. We're not going to know yet, but speculate. What's this movie? They clone Darth Maul and he comes back. And oh, that sounds so good. That has to be, be the, That would be a cool sequel, right? Oh, that'd be great because Darth Maul's cool. Comes back for Obi-Wan. And now I think, you know, we're going in time and like Anakin is still a Padawan. We're still training him. Right, right. He's right. getting, he's getting the, the ropes Padawan of things. Padawan learning, yeah. Right. Queen Amidala's the queen and she's like, dudes, this Darth Maul guy came back and they have to go back to Naboo. Back to Naboo. Back to where the magic happened Back the first to where time. the magic happened. Get the gang back together. Jar Jar is now Probably. a general. He brings in the army. They all have to take on the clone version of Darth Maul. That yeah. sounds like a great fucking movie. Based on The Phantom Menace, that makes sense. That would be the obvious You'd, sequel. You'll have a lot of Jar Jar because he's all over The Phantom Menace. But now he's a little more like he's he's become the very thing that we used to mock. He's become the man. Yeah, right. The Trade Federation definitely won't be involved because Done. they were defeated. Out. And, and that plot point didn't and, work. Fans didn't like it. Why would they bring it back? And then Darth Sidious will probably be involved in some way again. Maybe he's doing the, you know. He, he probably did the cloning. Him and Palpatine or whatever, they're, they're going to yeah. be around. He did the cloning. That's... They, they they have to beat the Darth Maul clone and, army, but then they also have to like okay. realize like wait, wait who made this clone and maybe because this was there was so much groundwork late in episode one yeah. and we talked about it right Anakin and Obi Wan finally realize how corrupt the Jedi Council is yeah. and bring it down yeah. you know and Yoda maybe is your chief villain in episode two that would be awesome because like that guy you know he's he's blocking them at every turn but that's the point all power is bad absolute power corrupts absolutely yeah so and, and also hopefully. You know, Anakin and Obi-Wan take a quick trip to that planet with the glory holes and they suck each other's cocks. Those are just some of the predictions, but I think we're going to, yeah, we're going to have to pick up uh, with a new case. Yeah, yep. so. And TC-14 is hopefully okay. a prominent Holy character. Cow. Oh, well, yeah, she'll be all over it. Yeah, she'll be oh, yeah. all over it. It's like, I mean, I assume fourth build is Lindsay Duncan. Yeah, yeah, they probably. make an electronic twelve incher. <laughs> that's because they knew. So there's an episode two. That's insane. You know, this actually all seems very familiar. I might have actually like been aware of that at the time. I think I just sort of focused so hard on yeah. Phantom Menace. You know, the crazy thing is, now that we're talking about it, I think I might have seen it three times in theaters. And you maybe own a ton of toys related to it. Is my I maybe d- I might have a whole thing to launch into there, but I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> no, me neither. I don't remember anything about it, but no. I, I probably spent upwards of two hundred dollars on merchandise Jesus, because at that you were point, older. My my allowance was greater. Yeah. Oh, I lost was great. So I, I, yeah, I definitely, yeah. All right. So, viewers, listeners, we're going, but yeah. 
Yeah, you're going to get a bonus commentary. Bonus commentary. And for judging the, the judge is no joke happening. Judging the judge is going to happen. And then we're going to, you know, end of June, let's say. End of, yeah, June, end of June. End of June. Look that forward to Attack of the Podcast. Attack of the Podcast. Coming to your ears. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. This I'm so is the, excited. This is the best day of my life. Oh, uh, this God, makes I, up for you not getting TC14 as a contact. I know. I literally remember none of it. So I'm just going in cold. All I remember is that I bought all the toys. Yes. But That's I'm, all you remember. I'm going in cold. This could be anything. And I think my prediction is totally going to be correct. So your prediction. So my prediction, by the way, is bringing down the Jedi. Jedi corruption is felled by Renegade. Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yoda is revealed to be the Yoda ultimate is the true villain. Yeah. Maybe he's working with Sidious. And your prediction is an army of Darth Maul clones being fought by our heroes yeah. on probably Gungan grounds. Yeah, and they yeah. got to get the gang back together. Exactly. got to bring back the original team. So it's Queen Amidala. It's maybe even some of the handmaids. Rick Ollier is in there. Yeah, definitely Captain Panaka. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jar Jar, R2, C3, TC. Uh, Gra Gra, Wada. Saboba pops up. All, the, yeah, all yeah. our favorite friends. Yeah. They all team up. It's like, it's your ult- It's the Avengers. That sounds great. We need every character from the Phantom Menace universe to team up. My expectations could not be higher. They because be the up. whole time we're complaining, ugh, this is a movie pointing to a sequel that never happened. It happened. There was a second Star Wars movie. It happened. And, and also, I mean, look. Fan response was not great at the time of its release. He had to take that constructive criticism. I'm to sure heart. he did. I'm sure he took everything that they said to heart, especially about like too much CGI, not enough practical elements in your sets, things like that. I'm sure he was like, "You're right, guys. Next time, it's going to be a little more tactile." Yeah, I own all the toys, but I know nothing about it, and I can't wait to crack in. All right. Wow, that episode was long, considering that we had almost nothing. Uh, we had a lot to wrap up. There were a lot of loose threads, and we made a huge discovery. Whew. Producer Ben, in conclusion. Oh, uh, it's been great. It's been fun. Oh, uh, I don't have a prediction though. I need like a week or so. To... No, I wasn't asking for a prediction. I was asking for he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have any hot takes to this season of our podcast. Oh, so in conclusion, uh, I'm kind of happy to see it wrap up. Yep. Yeah, me too. You know? Definitely. Um, yeah, new movie. Goodbye. Fuck you forever. Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Good much. riddance. And uh, uh, I. I Look forward to judging the judge, and I'm, I guess I got to check out this episode too. Yeah, yeah we all got to check it out. But but first up, the judge. Everyone, get, grab your yeah. Go to your red box, grab a copy of the judge, watch it. <laughs> the only way to watch uh, the judge is from a red box copy. It's it's a movie designed for red boxing, um, and it's uh, I guarantee you a hot piece of garbage. And the question we're gonna ask is, did Robert Downey Jr. think he was gonna win the Oscar? That's the question. That's the question. Okay. Because like I going think, into this movie or making this movie, uh, we'll talk about it next. Yeah, next time. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you oh, for being man. a friend. Goodbye, Phantom Menace. And as always, keep on manging those gorgs.